wandering journo at Stories That Matter Studios. I'm Nance Haxton, and this is The Streets of Your Town. The podcast that takes you on an audio journey highlighting a different slice of Australian life each episode. Buckle up to meet a great array of ordinary, everyday, incredible Australians. This podcast is brought to you by DM Podcasts, part of Diamantina Media, with more than 25 million downloads for a range of shows such as The Batuta Advocate and Chat 10 Looks 3. It's not often you talk to someone whose love for what they do is so infectious that it draws you into their world and makes you want to be part of it. That was how I felt after speaking with Maestro Umberto Clarici, the world-renowned cellist with a vision to take the music of the Queensland Symphony Orchestra to the world stage. As he tells us on this episode of Streets of Your Town, he defied the traditional route of how to become a conductor by being appointed the QSO's Chief Conductor Designate, starting his three-year term in January 2023. He will give a glimpse of his style this weekend when he conducts the QSO in fantasy and folklore. Maestro Clarici's approach as conductor is unique, not only rising from the orchestra to conductor in a highly unusual progression, but also, as he describes, taking on his conductor role like an architect, giving the vision but making the orchestra more independent. I'm very excited. You know, it's, I don't know what you know about what happened last year because, you know, I mean, COVID was bad for everyone, mm. but for air, airline companies and performing artists was even worse in the sense that we really couldn't do anything many parts of the year, particularly, I would say, in Victoria and then last year in New South Wales, but also, you know, international travels where we... So basically, the first year of COVID, I was still playing the cello for the Symphony Orchestra, and I used the first year to really study and develop and to make it a transition between a cellist and a conductor. So it was great, finally, a little bit of peace after 20 years of travels. But then last year, it was a roller coaster. And so with QSO, the first program I came here was in February. Everything seemed fine, no problems. And then I had two substitutions during the year because international conductor couldn't come. One for three or four days combination, and the other one, was from Canada was impossible and thanks to basically COVID I had these opportunities with QSO and we oh. could work on a that, that's the thing I mean it's like yes. we always see COVID as um, only as a calamity but yes. for some it, 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 every crisis is also an opportunity so in a way it expedites a lot particularly with QSO because other orchestras in Australia where I had recently a, a similar uh, approach and therefore similar reaction. I couldn't go there. It also gave you that valuable experience conducting as well. That transition from a performer yes. to a conductor Absolutely. must be difficult. Yes. Well, it, 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 it depends. I mean, it's a, it's a, the thing is that it's a completely different job, and mm. sometimes mm. from the, the orchestra you don't realize that it's a different job. So basically, because last year was a little bit weird and roller coaster. Instead of having one program with USO that was scheduled, it ended up to be three. Yes. And because of that, 
we explored enough repertoire, you know, from a Beethoven symphony to Debussy uh, and Strauss. So that really was enough for me to understand what is the openness and the attitude and the quality of the orchestra and also the single members. Mm. And for them to understand, okay, can we work in a certain direction mm. for together for the next years and what can we achieve? So this is basically the story and between me and QSO. Oh, and it's so true what you say. How lucky that really COVID was so crushing for so many things, but it, it gave you that opportunity and yes. gave you a glimpse of the orchestra. Were you yes. were you impressed when you were able to conduct the, the orchestra in that way? Oh, yes. I mean, you know, every orchestra, like every musician, like every conductor has strengths and weaknesses, yep. particularly in repertoire. And usually these strengths and weaknesses are, uh, weakness are about the familiarity of a certain repertoire means that if you play a certain repertoire very often, tendentially you are better at it because you actually know it better. It's like jazz musicians, you know, they play their style all their life. And so it feels so natural when you listen to them because they really have, it's like they have informal discussion within the music. So, for me, it was very interesting to go from very old, like, we didn't go too far away in music, but, you know, a Mozart piano concerto or a Beethoven symphony, and then we went to all the Romanticism until very contemporary music, actually even Australian, just composed in the last 10 years. So there was an array of pieces and styles, and so it was very curious how the orchestra would play <laughs> this music by themselves, in a sense, which kind of character had the orchestra and how flexible they would be when I start to tweak their playing according to what I think the music should be played and how, what is the reaction? Because this is mainly the thing, you know, is in between what is the character of the, the, the orchestra that is made by the character of single musicians and how much different is your view or your vision on that and how quick or how far can we go with the vision combined to your personality, basically. And Queensland audiences have had a glimpse of you too, so it's quite lovely that that sort of seamless uh, transition. But the Olympics are actually not the cause, but they are the effect of this vibe. Mm. I mean, that is a, it's a city that wants to be more relevant, to be more international, to grow. That, that's vibe that you don't get, particularly during you know, the last two or three years, you don't get often. Other cities are established and they have their own attitude and it's already basically formed. Well, I have the impression that Brisbane is really uh, like a young person with enthusiasm that wants to get to a different level of relevance. Oh, it's a beautiful metaphor, but I think uh, it's a, it's an exciting time to be in Brisbane, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> and what what is your a bit of your vision for what you see as uh, what will you do with the QSO over these three years? Do you hope? My my vision is half programmatic, means which kind of music we should explore, and half is philosophical, which kind of message and what are we for the society. You know, what is music? It's just an entertainment, it's an educational, it's a social service. It's more of a school hospital or it's more of entertainment show. So I'm European. I think that music, classical music, any kind of music that has values behind the notes is 
something that half educates a society and half makes the society think and mirror the message. For example, uh, if you program Beethoven 9, it's a very famous piece, everybody knows it, but also it's a message of brotherhood where all humans are equal, not in front of God, but in, among themselves. Doesn't it doesn't matter men and women, rich or poor, old uh, and young, white and black. You know, it's, so how can we make us more relevant in the society and just not just uh, they play very well or the shows are interesting, let's go to listen to them. So how can we make the society communicate to us and vice versa? So this is my main, let's say, philosophical vision for, for QSO because in Europe, where actually this music is come from, so it's more obvious, it's more integrated into the fabric of the society. And I think here there is space to make it even more connected and to broaden the audience and to have different levels of communication with the audience from from playing, of course, to talk to them, to involve them, to have chamber music in different parts of the city. And so this is basically what I think we will expand in the next years, our uh, social relevance. In the same moment, from repertoire point of view, because QPEC is an amazing hall, but it's very big. So when I studied the last 10 years, tends to focus mostly on the big uh, Germanic repertoire, I would say Strauss, but say all the romantics, Brahms, Tchaikovsky, that requires a big orchestra. So there, is a, there was a little bit of a lack of Haydn, Mozart, some of Beethoven, some got the famous one, you know, Beethoven 5 was repeated many times, but other things is not really. Um, and I think for the orchestra is a great gym in order to create even more connections in the orchestra itself. You know, sometimes when you go to listen to an orchestra and you watch the orchestra, the orchestra basically seems playing in their own box. Everybody has their own desk and they play their part and then accidentally they look at the conductor when they need to. (laughs) Uh, But very rarely nowadays you see a symphony orchestra that plays across the orchestra. You know, the cellos plays with the flute and the timpani. Um, Just, not just to be together, actually to communicate. So this kind of cross interaction is my main goal. I played in orchestra for 20 years. I always wanted to play with my colleagues and the conductor is there to facilitate or to give a vision or to connect or to decide what is the main voice in that specific moment. But still the orchestra musicians need to be independent and willing to play with the others. And you know, when you play in some music with four or five people, you interact with five people, but here you interact, you know, with 80. And th- that's amazing, but it's very difficult, particularly when you only have two days of rehearsal. So that's my goal with QSO, to make them more paradoxically independent. A conductor shouldn't say that, because a conductor should say, I oh, know they have to depend from me, but it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, you are an architect, you give the vision, the pace, the meaning of that piece, but then is the musician that produced the sound. Oh, how exciting. So we need to find some beautiful chamber-sized venues then for yes. you, Umberto. That, yes. That, that, yes. I mean, you know, 
here, the, the con has a. I, I played many times with Musica Viva when I toured with the cello. The, con, the conservatorium has a great hall, but also, you know, even if the attitude of playing chamber music is not necessarily the size of the orchestra, mm-hmm. but but of course, when it becomes too big or too bombastic, it's very difficult without having a reference that is the conductor. But still, when you see the biggest orchestra in the world, like Berlin, they basically play like a huge chamber music group and delegate to the conductor the, the bigger picture and not the small details. I wonder if you could also just tell us a little bit about your journey to this point. I was reading about uh, how you started playing so young and really to, to come here, is this really the culmination of, of all of those years of perfecting your art to some degree? Yes. I mean, more than culmination is the result of a, a, a big array of experiences with the cello. I started very early, then... Uh, I went to the big competitions, you know, the solo competition like the Tchaikovsky uh, competition in Moscow. That gives you a lot of solo concerts. So basically, I played 10 years almost only solo. Uh, means as a soloist with the orchestra or recited with cello and piano or even by myself. And after 10 years of traveling, basically in my 20s, after 10 years of traveling uh, by myself, I got a little bit bored about interacting only with myself in music. And also the repertoire of the cello is beautiful, but it's not as vast like a violin or, or the piano. So after a while, you tend to repeat the same pieces over and over. It was, it's not my personality. I need new uh, stimulations. So then I started to play in orchestra as a principal cello. And that gave me, and then this led me to Sydney in eight years ago when the principal cello of the Sydney Symphony Orchestra was back in since 15 years. And so they touch around the world. I came here, I liked the orchestra, I liked the place. I said, okay, let's see. And I thought I would have stayed a year instead. I stayed six with the orchestra or seven until I resigned to pursue a conducting. I taught at universities since I was 20. So with the, I had a piano trio since I was 20 until basically last year so I, it, I between chamber music solo orchestra i played both in symphony orchestra than in the pit i was four years principal cello in my city torino has a very good opera theater and you know opera in italy it's almost normal because it's, it's almost life everybody behaves exactly like in the operas while here in australia it's a little bit weird <laughs> uh people screaming and dying while singing but it initially didn't sound, it didn't seem weird, but here it seems more weird. When, when my mother talks about risotto, it's almost like Traviata convincing the, the host that we, we have to all have parties. You know, it's like... Uh, and so all these experiences, it's solo and orchestra and opera and teaching and chamber music, after 20 years, basically, I, I had the feeling I played everything I wanted as many times I wanted. And so when I started to conduct as a pure curiosity, then, you know, a different world opens up, not in terms of repertoire, but also in terms of connections with the musicians. You have so many more callers and actually you can actually interact with so many more characters in the music. And so in a way, it's not just the culmination, but is every element as actually of my basically 20 years of a professional player, but 35 of playing the cello, 
comes together. Uh, also because, you know, there are, the majority of conductors don't come from the orchestra anymore. It was more in the past. But it changes your point of view when you sat there for many years and you know how it feels, what you need. Mm, absolutely. I can understand that. And it must be very fulfilling to be able to deliver that to your wonderful orchestra. It is. It, at the same moment, you have to uh, detach yourself a little bit because, and this is for me quite actually easy to do, in the sense that you are not playing. You know, when you play, you're 100% producing the sounds, you're 100% in the game. Uh, when you conduct, you need to put together and in the same moment, let a degree of freedom so musicians actually can have their own fields playing the game, following their instincts. So it's you have to back, paradoxically, you are in a much more powerful position, but in the same time, you have to detach a little bit yourself from being over-controlling. And this is where it's the alchemy, and which you saw was very clear and I really loved, that at the beginning, you need to give them a ground uh, of, you know, sound and meaning and uh, style to start from. So you have to create this platform. But then, once you enable the personalities to actually uh, float on this ground, you can actually let them free. And then is a question of listening and reacting for the orchestra. So, you know, the flu principal flute plays a theme and then it follows by the entire violin sections in the same theme. So, okay, she played like this. How can we, are we copying it? Are we enhancing it? Are we answering? Are we uh, opposing to it? So there are many ways, but, you know, there is still a big degree of freedom where the musicians actually can express their own self. Oh, look, it's been wonderful speaking to you today, Umberto, and getting such a wonderful glimpse into what is to come. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Ah, it, it depends. Uh, it's interesting because from an European point of view, particularly, uh, I mean, my city, Torino, is, was founded by the Romans. It was their cattle place. And Torino comes from, I mean, it's the translation of Toro's bull. So where they actually were um, breeding their bulls. But it's a 2,000 years old city. So it's full around, you know, of Roman walls and then Baroque buildings. Uh, it was the first capital of Italy. So architecturally, Brisbane is so different and also I still didn't understand really the, the architectural idea but it's so green and usually with the sun that is so bright it's like south of Italy this kind of you know uh, really strong sun and light you know one thing is how what you look and, uh, at and another thing is how you feel about the place and since the first time I came here as a cellist I always felt that it was such a different experience from my very old and conservative origins that I always felt good here. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate uh, it very much. Great. Perfect. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye. That was Maestro Umberto Clarici speaking to me for this episode of Streets of Your Town.
Streets of Your Town is produced by Nance Haxton, a.k.a. The Wandering Journo, with production assistance from Michael Adams. That's it for this episode. I'm Nance Haxton. If you'd like to meet more everyday, incredible Australians, subscribe and listen to the back catalogue of Streets of Your Town, including Series 2, The Journo Project, on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please review and rate Streets of Your Town on your podcast provider, share the show with your mates, or join my wandering Journo tribe of supporters at the Streets of Your Town website. Site, soyt.substack.com. Thank you.